And we're going to look at Balaam at this time to discover just what in the world happened with this man. Because he's a mystery in a way. It's interesting, I guess in Arabic, the, the name Balaam means glutton. So that could explain some of the reasons why he got off track. But we're going to be studying from Numbers chapter 22 right through to 25, as well as touching stuff, stuff on chapter 31. And in this discourse with Balaam, he was being called by Balak, the king of Moab, to come and curse Israel. Because up to that point, Israel had annihilated every army that had come against them. And the Moabite army wanted to defeat them. And so their thought was, we'll get this prophet who lived up in Damascus, which is in, a, in a Caesarea. And he, he um, brought him down, sent his men to bring him down, I should say, offered them a lot of money to come and curse this nation, this people. And so the story we're going to unfold was how Balaam responded to all that, um, how the king, Balak, how he responded to it. And we're going to draw some lessons from it, what we should do. So he's a master of sorcery, but he appears to be, we don't know for sure, a prophet called by God. So he was mixing two things. We're going to show you what those two things are. And it's very important that as you listen to this, if you're a leader, I want it to be able to open your heart with this man's life that you'd be willing to search your own heart. But even if you're not a leader, you can still be functioning the way this man was functioning. And the end of his life was not a pretty one. So learn today from Balaam, regardless of where you are. The things you hear are not meant for you to be able to go around pointing your fingers at somebody else. The Bible says in James that the word of God is like a mirror. When you look into the mirror, your reason for looking into the mirror isn't to see somebody else. Your reason for looking in the mirror is to see yourself. And you see, James says, y'all look in the mirror every day, I pretty well guarantee you do. So James says, if you look in the mirror and you see something wrong, but you go away and forget about it and don't correct it, it's not wise. And so tonight, or today, whatever time of the day it happens to be where you are, we're going to look at Balaam and the fact that his life needs to be a mirror to us that we look and see. So Balaam, this man, was approached by the, by the wise man from Moab, offering him money to come and curse Israel. That was not unknown in those days where one nation would find somebody, a sorcerer or a prophet or something, to come and curse the army of the other nation. It still goes on today, but not in English culture, at least not that I'm aware of. could be happening. 
So I want to point out a number of things about Balaam that really speak that he was a, a godly man. So let's look at the things that the scripture talks about. So Numbers 22, a lot of comes out of those 22 to 25, so bear with me. Verse 8, Balaam said to the man after they had offered him money to come and curse him, he says, stay the night here, Balaam said to them, and I'll bring you back the answer the Lord gives me. So the Moabite princess stayed with him. And then in, in 23, chapter 23, verse 4, this is the second time they have come to him. This time it's the princess, the important people of the, of the kingship. And, and, and they asked him as well. And Balaam is going to the Lord, and Balaam met with them, and he said, I've prepared seven altars, and on each altar I've offered a bull and a ram. In other words, he's doing all this religious stuff, which was right. That's what the children of Israel did to, um, to, to purify themselves so they could hear God, and so he offered a sacrifice. Now, the interesting thing, each time they came to him, the two times they came, each time he sought the Lord. The first time the Lord said, no, don't go with them. Don't go, I'm, I'm not going to curse those people. I've already blessed them. As a matter of fact, the blessing started way back with Abraham. He renewed with Abraham, Isaac, then Jacob. And so that blessing was on them. But you see, the second time he asked the Lord, he didn't say, I hope God has changed his mind. He didn't say, I'm looking for a different answer. He simply said the second time to these princes, I'll go and ask the Lord if there's anything he else he wants to say. And interesting enough, when the Lord answered him, the Lord said, yes, go with them, but you only speak what I'm going to tell you to speak. And so <clears throat> when he said that you go with them, it was kind of a reverse and and I, I said to myself, wonder why God changed his mind from the first time to the second time. Well, we may never know until we get to heaven. That's one of the things you put on your list to ask God when you get to heaven. But it's very possible that because of, of something that was driving Balaam, that God was going to deal with that something that was driving him. And so, I guess the second time they came, Balaam simply should have said, I've already asked God, he said no, so you might as well go home. Now, the th interesting thing about Balaam, he still appeared like a godly man. Another reason was because God was answering him. And so here's some scriptures from chapter 22, first of all. First of all, verse 12, God said to Balaam, do not go with them. You must not a curse, put a curse on those people because they are blessed. So this is the first time they approached him. And then verse 20, that night God came to Balaam and said, since these men have come to summon you, go with them, but do only what I tell you. So here's God speaking to him. This is the second time they approached him with the princes. Then in chapter 23, verse 5, 
the Lord put a message in Balaam's mouth and said, go back to Balak and give him this message. And so he's now in, in the, um, the country of Moab and he's, and he's blessing Israel and he goes back and he talks to the king. But what I'm pointing out right now is the Lord is talking to this man. Verse 16 of the same chapter, the Lord met with Balaam. Isn't that interesting? This man who is dealing in sorcery, the Lord met with him and put a message in his mouth and said, go back to Balak and give him this message. And so it's very interesting as we look at this man who the Bible says was a sorcerer, but God is not only listening to him and giving him the second request at least, what he wanted, but now he's telling him what to do. He's talking with him. And then in, in the third point that makes Balaam look like a godly man is, from, is because God was with him. Numbers 23, chapter 23, verse 4, it simply says God was with him. And in 24, verse 2, it said, the Lord looked out and saw Israel encamped tribe by tribe. Then it says the spirit of the God came upon him. That's Balaam. So doesn't this man look like a godly man? But we're not done yet. He was obedient. Numbers 22, 13. The next morning, Balaam got up and said to Barak's princess, go back to your own country for the Lord has refused to let me go with you. But then in verse uh, 38 of the same chapter, when they came the second time, I have come to you now, Balaam replied. How can I say just anything? I must speak only what God puts in his mouth. This is when he's with the king now and saying that. I'm pointing out that he's being obedient. In verse 26 of chapter 23, Balaam answered, Did I not tell you I must do whatever the Lord says? And so we have this situation where Balaam is obeying the Lord He's asking the Lord. He's seeking the Lord for counsel. The Lord is answering him. And now he is demonstrating that he's going to, even before the king who could offer him this great reward for cursing the children of Israel, he's still being obedient to the Lord. On top of that, Balak was offering him money, as we've already mentioned, but you have to realize it's part of the equation here. The elders of Moab and Midian left, taking with them the fee for divination. This is the first time they came to tempt him. When they came to Balaam, they told him what Barak had said. And the second time, in verse 37 of the same chapter, Balak Balak said to Balaam, did I not send you an urgent summons? In other words, why didn't you come the first time? Am I not ready to reward you? And so money is becoming a factor here. And we begin to realize God um, is going to do something to expose something that Balaam's not aware of, obviously. He responded like a man of God, Numbers 22, 18. I'm just going to put out some other things that makes it, that portrays him as a man of God. Balaam answered them, even if Balak give me his palace filled with silver and gold, 
I could not do anything great or small or go beyond the command of the Lord our God. So this is the first time they approached him. And he's saying, even that money is not going to make me change my mind. Then in Numbers um, 23, verse 1, Balaam said, bring me, build me seven altars here. He's now in Moab again. Prepare seven bulls and seven rams for me. So he's doing all the right stuff that the law of the Israelites demanded him to do. In verse 3 of that same chapter, Balaam said to Barak, Stay here beside your offering while I go aside. Perhaps the Lord will come to meet with me. Wherever he veils to me, I will tell you. Then he went off to a barren height. So here we have this man of God. And he's got all the appearances of everything that we would look for in a Christian, especially a godly leader. He's got all the things that I would expect a man who's close to the Lord to be doing. But you see, there has been something going on in God's heart that we have to look at. And so let me, let me look here at um, something that God is looking at, because it says in Numbers 22, verse 22, God was very angry when he went. And the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. So this is the second time the princes had come to him. He's now on his donkey going to Moab. And all of a sudden the donkey stops. Now if you want to read the donkey story, it runs in chapter 22 from verse 30, 21 to 30. Be good for you to read the whole um, 22 to 25 and 31 sometime to catch up with me. But it's important that we realize God was angry about something. And so the donkey that he was riding on suddenly stopped. And so Balaam beat the donkey to get him moving. He, went, he moved a bit and then he rubbed against a wall. Balaam has beaten him again. Then the donkey went into a place where it was so narrow and he laid right down he wouldn't move and Balaam started to beat him and then all of a sudden the donkey said, why are you beating me? There's animal. God is talking through an animal just like he talked through the serpent in the Garden of Eden. And so now Balaam's in a place where he realizes God's involved in doing something the, the, the Lord opened his eyes so he could see, and that's where he realized the donkey was doing what the Lord had told him to do. So Numbers 24.1, when Balaam saw that it pleased God to bless Israel, he did not resort to sorcery at other times or turned his face towards the desert. Listen, I want to put you in the right place here. He was now standing overlooking Israel, and he it blessed the Lord. It, he saw it bless the Lord. But you see, it says he didn't resort to sorcery as at other times. I'm not convinced that the first two times, because this is the third time, I'm not convinced the first two times of him blessing Israel was sorcery. But at other times, when Balaam was called to curse something or something, he would use sorcery to do it. And so it says that in Joshua, if we can skip over to Joshua for a moment, chapter 13, verse 22, 
This is when Israel, God told Israel they had to, had to deal with the Moabites because of the, 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 the sin that the Moabites had drawn them into. And I'm going to talk more about that in a few minutes. But this is what Joshua reminds the children of Israel, which is way past history now. But he reminds them of what was going on. It says, in addition to those slain in battle, Joshua says, the Israelites had put to the sword Balaam, son of Bor, who practiced divination. And so it was his habit. I have to assume that God had called this man at some time, put the gift of prophecy on him, not, not someone who just prophesies, but as a prophet. And there is a different difference between someone who prophesies and someone who's a prophet. Bible, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, those two chapters, not all are called to be prophets. But then in 1 Corinthians 14, he says, you may all prophesy. So we know that, that Balaam probably was called to be a prophet, but he was using that anointing in the wrong way because he used sorcery and even practiced divination, which is another term for it. Now, the reason why God was angry with him is found in 2 Peter 2.15. He's talking about the children of Israel way back at the time of Balaam. And it says, They have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the whale of Balaam, the son of Bor, who loved, listen, the wages of wickedness. He loved the wages of wickedness. And so there's an understanding that I need to give to you. There was something down inside of Balaam's heart that God was looking for. And it looks as though way back when God changed his mind, the second visit with the princess, and he said, okay, go with them. It looks as though God was saying, maybe this is an opportunity that I could start dealing with that thing in Balaam's heart that is wrong. It's almost like an idol in his heart that is plaguing his ministry. And so it says in Jude chapter 1, verse 11, Woe to them! And he's talking again about the way Israel fell. They have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's heir. So there's something about Balaam's heart that had a love for what James calls the, the wages of wickedness. And God was saying, I'm going to deal with it in this man's life. Now, there needs to be um, an understanding that in each of us, it's possible that we can do all the right things. We have the right language. God even talks to us when we call to him. And God is with us to anoint us for certain things that we do. It's possible that those of you who are listening might recognize in your own life that there are times when the nearness of God is with you. There's sense to be an anointing and a calling. But down inside, there's a motivation. There's something in there that's evil. And somewhere, someday, either one or two things will happen. Either one, you will find out what it is and deal with it. Or number two, God will humiliate you and he will deal with it. It's happening 
all across our land and down into the United States where pastors and leaders are falling, not all the time, but falling because they haven't dealt with that idol that's inside. And so we need to look at some of these things. In Revelation 2.14, I have a few things against you, he's saying to the church there. You have people who hold to the teaching of Balaam. Listen, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin by eating food sanctified to idols and by committing sexual immorality. Now listen, Balaam was teaching this heathen king, and this is what he's teaching him. He's saying, I couldn't bless them before, but because I would love to have the reward you have for me, I'm going to teach you what you should do in order to get the Israelites in a place where I can curse them. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? But let, let's look at this one now. No, Numbers 31. He was killed for what he was doing. But before the, he was killed, he, he had taught the women, in verse 16, the Moabite women, he had taught them, and they followed Balaam's advice, and they were the means that turned Israel away from the Lord. They started to entice the Israeli man. Come on down to our sacrifice. Come on down. But you see, there were fertility sacrifices. Their gods were female gods. And so the man came down. And you, when you got involved in eating their food, you got involved with them sexually. That's over and over and over. And listen, there's people across this land that recognizes there's leaders that are falling out of ministry, falling from the churches they planted, falling from ministry there because they have a love for money or and they have a love for the sexual area. They haven't dealt with those two things. Maybe it's one or the other, but it's the love for money that often is the instigator to cause us to do things, to start to violate the standard of the Lord. And what is the standard? The standard is seek first the kingdom. Don't seek first what you want. You seek first the kingdom. People that are seeking what they want are slowly moving away. Yes, they may be hearing from God. They may be asking God. They may have the presence of the Lord with them at different times. They may have all those things. But that idol in their heart, their idol for money, they're idle for sexual pleasure, whatever it might be. It's going to betray them. It betrayed Balaam. But you see, before it happens, he did a lot of damage. He taught the king how to entice. He taught the women how to entice. He set a, an atmosphere in that whole Roman or Moabite empire. He set an atmosphere where the Israeli men felt comfortable in coming in. And that same thing is happening in brothers and sisters across our land and around the world. You see, God wasn't listening to what Balaam was saying so much. He was listening to his heart. And this is what God found in his heart. He found an idol, an idol for wealth. Uh, let me put it a little bit more broad. He saw an idol 
that said, in spite of all the spiritual stuff Balaam could do, there was something in his heart that wanted something for himself. He wanted something. Maybe, maybe if he was a pastor today, he'd be wanting a largest church in the city, so he'd be well known as a great church builder. Or if he was an apostle, maybe he wanted to have such a great effect on the mission field so he would look good and he'd get to speak at all the conferences. Or if he's a teacher, then he would come up with new revelations so people would flock to him and listen. On and on. Do you hear me, people? We have wrong motives that are embedded in our hearts, just like Balaam did. And God is committed. He said, Jesus said this, what, has been, what you think is hidden, I'm going to shout it from the rooftops. He was a dangerous man. And you're a dangerous person if you have wrong motives in your heart. You might be doing all the right things. But you have failed God. You have failed God. Because there's something inside that's an idol. You see, money isn't the problem. It's our love for that. It's a love for money. Let me talk to Ezekiel 14 for a minute. Ezekiel 14. Some of the elders of Israel came to me and sat down in front of me. Let me, let me put this in history for you. They were already in captivity. Ezekiel was, was with them. And these elders of Israel came, and they had a plan. They had something. They wanted him to ask the Lord. And so they came and sat down for him. Then the Lord said in verse 2, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, these men have set up idols in their hearts, put wicked stumbling blocks before their faces. Should I let them inquire of me at all? Verse 4, therefore speak to them and tell them. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. When any Israelite sets up idols in his heart and puts a wicked stumbling block before his face and then goes to a prophet, I, the Lord, will answer him myself in keeping with his great idolatry. In other words, God's answer is going to be something that agrees with the idol in your heart, what you want selfishly. That's going to be God's answer, and it's destined for destruction. You see, we often quote Psalm 37. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe passage. Safe passage. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. We generally just quote verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Listen, before that, we need to trust in the Lord. We need to dwell in the land that's in the presence of the Lord. Enjoy his pasture. Delight ourselves in what he delights in so that we indeed can be free from wrong motivation. Here's what we have to do, brothers and sisters. Psalm 139. David knew there was something inside of him. He was a godly man after God's own heart. Listen to David. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of understanding. 
Oh, Lord God, the answer to that thing inside of us is repentance. But, Lord, if I'm blinded to it, then, Lord, please open my understanding, open my heart, that I would understand what that idol is, what that selfish me-first attitude is, what I want, what I need. Give me an open heart. Search my heart, Lord God, because I want to repent of it. I want to die to it. I want to bury it so I can be free to serve you. In the name of Jesus, amen. please visit our website at jwmi.ca to find out about more information of our ministry.